Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm excited to be here with everybody. Uh, what a great start to the day. First service was really awesome, too. And just excited what God is doing. I think 11 people got saved first service. and San Juan went great. Pastor Joel was in San Juan leading the charge. We got watch parties right now, Ocean's Gatherings in Florida that are starting to take place, which is pretty rad, and uh, excited to see God getting this thing ready for the future. But uh, man, if you're here today for the first time, welcome. Uh, we, are, we are a pretty passionate group of people. I think it's funny that we always save our best energy for sporting events that really don't matter that much, but we come to church and we get around eternal things and we're super quiet about them. So we're pretty fired up here. Can I get a good amen? I want to commend you for coming to church. I know it's not 87 degrees today. Uh, someone consider this maybe a winter day. <laughs> um, but if you're here today, I mean, if like you're intense and outside, if it's cooler than like 69 degrees, you're probably going to heaven in California. Uh, but excited that you're here. Uh, again, my name is Mark, and today we, uh, we're going to open up the Bible. We believe that God speaks in many ways. He can speak to you through a, uh, through a, a dream, through a vision, uh, through your spouse, can I get an amen? You're going to get an elbow to the side if you don't say amen right there. Uh, but beyond that, he can speak to you in many ways, but we believe that God's most consistent way of speaking to his people is through his word. We've been in a series called The Impossible, and uh, two weeks ago, my friend Dustin Bates here from Dallas, Texas, and uh, shared a great message with us in this impossible series about walking it out. And then last week, if you were here, we announced this new chapter, this new season, the building, all this stuff. And we talked about stretching it out. And the guy with the withered hand got healed when he didn't stretch his good hand, but his bad hands. And, uh, and today, I want to talk to you not about walking it out or stretching out. I want to talk to you today about standing out. Is that all right? Standing out. Say standing out. Tap your neighbor say, you stand out. I don't know if that's good or bad. Tap your other neighbor say, you look how I feel. I'm just kidding. But we're going to have a good time. Stand out, stand out. So you got your Bible today. Uh, turn with me to the book of Daniel this morning. We're going to turn to Daniel. And if uh, you grew up in children's church, you're in good shape. If you are a VeggieTales connoisseur, also in good shape. And uh, I'm going to open up a famous story, but I do believe it's pertinent to today. Uh, because I believe that this, this whole book took place in Babylon. And I believe that Babylon is not a geographical location. It is a spiritual mentality. And I believe that right now we are living in a very similar culture as to Babylon. Right. What do you mean? I mean that Babylon is actually the, the, the root word for Babylon comes from Babel. Babel means confusion. And I'll tell you right now that whenever men try to build things for themselves without God, it will always lead to confusion. And today we're going to uh, look at this passage, but I think there's a lot of parallels of current events right now, and I'm going to do my very best, so uh, if you could stay with me, I'm going to read 15 verses, I'm going to pray, I'm going to tell a couple stories, and then I'm going to give you six points, a little bit more than usual, but I know that God, God knew that this is the perfect day for a three-hour message. Josh gave me three hours, so I'm going to try to honor that time, okay? We'll be, have you out here at three. We'll go straight to let us worship. All right, let's go here. Daniel chapter, uh, Daniel chapter 3, a uh, story about these three Jewish boys. Uh, 
their original names. Most people don't even know their original names because they were named My Shack, Your Shack, and a Bungalow. But uh, we know originally that their names by God were actually Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And uh, we, we find here in the story that, that chapter 1 of Daniel is interesting because you have these guys taken captive. Liam, e- Liam Eason was there. And uh, yeah, they were taken. Uh, tough crowd. Tough crowd. They came into uh, Babylon in a three-year education. Essentially, they are, they're taught the literature and the language of Babylon. And uh, they're pretty much their whole story is standing out. They stood out in the very beginning as these Jewish boys from Israel. They stood out when they changed their diet in the king's court. They stood out when they stood before the king and they were ten times wiser. They stood out when they interpreted dreams. They stood out when they were thrown in lion's dens. They stood out over and over and over again. But one of the big ones here we read about is about the three that actually stood out when Nebuchadnezzar constructed a 90-foot gold statue. Say with me, an image. And it's interesting that since the origins of humanity, the devil has always worked with two things, images and with music. And if you can collaborate images with music, what is movies? Movies are images and music. Are you hearing me today? Television, images and music. There is more authority in images and music that, that, that can program, that can affect, that can influence a generation. And that's why we find from the very origins of humanity that the devil has always leveraged. Babylon has always leveraged images and music. And he knows the power of this. And so it says that they constructed the statue. They have this big idea that when, the, when they see the statue, everyone bows when the music plays. We pick up reading here today, and uh, I'll start reading here uh, in, in uh, chapter 3. I think we're going to start reading in verse uh, 5, I believe, here. And if you've got your Bible, say, I got it. I got it. And uh, it says this in verse 4. It says, so they heard the cry out loud to, to the command. It said, all the peoples, uh, all the nations, languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the har, the lyre, the, the psaltery, the symphony, all kinds of music, that you shall fall down and worship the gold image. That King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be canceled. Kidding. No, no. It says, shall be immediately thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. So at that time when all the people heard the sound, all these things, they worshiped the gold image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. There was three Jewish boys, we know the story, that did not comply. They canceled their Disney memberships. And, uh, sorry. Too soon. Nebuchadnezzar found out about it in verse 13, and in a rage, in a fury, he commanded that they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought them before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lure, the psaltery, the symphony, the tambourine, all kinds of music, that you shall fall down and worship the image that I have made. Good. But if you do not, you're going to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God? I think he probably could have got away with killing these three Jewish boys if you'd have left this little clause out. But he he insults God by calling him a little G deity. He says, who is the little G-O-D God that will deliver you from my hands? Kind of picks a fight with the Most High. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer to the king, probably one of the greatest responses of faith I've seen in the Bible. They said, we have no need to answer you in this matter, O king. 
If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able. Say with me, able. I wonder if there's any people in California that still believe that he's able. Our God that we serve, he's able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But um, let's go worst case scenario, which all the little spineless Christians of our day and age are scared to deal with. But even if God doesn't answer our prayer, still not going to bow. Even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image that you have set up. He was so full of fury, his face contorted, they had him thrown into the fire. The guys that brought him in the fire caught fire. They threw him in bound in chains. And it says in verse 25 that the king said, oh my gosh, look, I don't see three men. I see four men loose in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt. And the form of the fourth man is like the son of God. And it says this, the king, when he went out in the mouth, the burning furnace, he said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. He all of a sudden becomes a believer. Come out and come here. We believe. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came in the midst of the fire. And the satraps, ministers, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whom, whose body the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar's newfound faith. Here he goes. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servant who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies. Showed up to an event to worship. And they should not serve nor worship except the one true God. He's so fired up about his new faith. Watch what he says. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Like he went through growth track, but he was still a work in progress. You know what I'm saying? Like he was passionate. How many know when you discover Jesus, you're like 100% passion and about 4% 4 wisdom? That's kind of where he's hovering right here. So he's like, yeah, we're going to, yeah, and then, and then we're going to go to your houses and make those ash heap as well. Because there is no other God who can deliver like this. I believe men and women that stand out for God can see things change quickly. Big verse here. God told me to tell you that the king then, verse 30, then the king promoted. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? For standing. I believe God is looking for people that are willing to stand that he can promote. Does that make sense today? I believe some of your stories is that you're, you've entered into a season of kind of great grace, great favor. There's been a wave of momentum behind you because you stood for something that matters to God and he's promoted you because of it. There's more of that coming. Can I get a good amen? Let's pray together today. It's going to be a good Sunday. Father, we love you. I pray in a short window of time that you do something mighty in these tents. We thank you that we would stand up, stand out, and that you would be with us. I thank you that you still do the impossible through men and through women that are willing to stand. Would you meet us here today? Would you help the Lakers in some way? In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Come on, everyone said amen. 
Uh, there's moments of life that just kind of stand out. Anyone agree there's just kind of special moments of life that stand out? Wedding day, honeymoon. Come on, somebody. Hey. Special moments. Uh, special moments stand out. Maybe you graduate. Day your first child is born. And uh, some of you, just you know these standout moments. Uh, I was thinking about moments in my life that I felt like stood out. I stood out. There was moments I felt like I stood out. And I don't know about you, but for me, I had moments in my life that I felt like I stood out in a good way. And there were certainly probably more moments that I stood out in an awkward way. I'll never forget being a first-year college student. I worked all year in a deli in Winco. Come on, home of hairnets and uh, box knives and aprons. Working with about 16 different moms. And uh, loved it. Loved my Winco deli days. Finished that up. I was getting ready to go to my second year of Bible college. And a buddy of mine who was from a small town in uh, Cascade, Idaho, for those of you who know where it's at. And uh, this guy, my friend Scott, he was just like the handiest. He was the guy that built with his own hands the car he drove. You guys met one of those guys before? You like my bumper? I welded that this week. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I couldn't bolt that on. He welded it from scratch. And uh, this guy, Scott, he, he worked with this, uh, this central vacuum cleaner installation company. And they were, he was like, Mark, I'm leaving. You can have my job. It pays like twice or three times as much as you made at Winco. I'm like, praise God. I, I forgot to tell Scott that I'm not handy. Like at all. Like I know the difference between like a flathead and a Phillips. But that's close to the end of my knowledge. Are you with me? So I get this job putting in um, central vacuum cleaners um, for about seven hours. I worked almost a complete work day. It was a good old boy from Idaho, had a sweet beard. Come on. One of the nicest flannel outfits I've ever seen. And uh, worked with this guy all day. He was a man's man. I think I got like, I don't know, 4 or 5% more manlier just in those seven hours. But I'm hanging out with this guy, and he's like, hey, Mark, go grab this tool. I have no idea what I'm looking for. I'm finding guys on the job site like, hey, dude, come with me real fast. We got to find this tool. Hey, if you were looking for this tool, have you seen this tool around anywhere? Sweet. Thanks, bro. I take it back to him. He's like, I need you to drill this here and install this there and like, you know, put this together in this, this amount of inches. Now, I want you to know that like, I didn't take Algebra 2. I took Algebra 1 twice. I'm lying. I took Pre-Algebra four times. I think I might have graduated. The math I took, I think, in my senior year might have had math in the title of the class. Like, I wasn't a big student in high school. Like, I had a few subjects I didn't like. It was like a seven-way tie. And um, <laughs> so he's telling me to do things on this house. I'm, I'm lost. I'm, like, totally deer in the headlights. I finished the work day, and I'll just never forget. He came to me, and he's like, hey, Mark, I know I told you I was going to pay, like, 20-something dollars an hour. He's like, yeah, um, I'm not going to do that. He's like, you weren't worth that much. I was like, you're completely right. I was like, quite frankly, I should go apologize to the owner of this house because there is going to be some malfunctions down the road. I stood out that day. Come on. You ever stand out? People stand out academically, athletically, musically. There's people that just stand out when it comes to cooking. My wife's been on a cooking binge for 48 hours. The longest stint I've ever seen her cook. And it's just crazy. People stand out. People stand out in leadership. I was thinking about my wife the day she found me. 
I stood out. It's not easy to be a trophy husband. It's a real struggle. I stood out. I was thinking about this, standing out. And again, throughout the Bible, we find that God is always interested in utilizing people that are willing to stand out. These guys are interesting to me because they're living in Babylon. I want you to know that we are still living in the same kind of atmosphere of Babylon. What is Babylon? Babylon is an environment that is anti-God. It's anti the word of God. It's anti-truth. It's kind of whatever feels good, do it. It's pro-confusion. It's anti-structure. And it's pretty much anything that would give God honor or glory. That's why you don't find Disney movies that are talking about young boys that like to pray and go on missions trips. You seen that Disney movie? I haven't seen that one yet either. That's why I don't, I, you don't, you don't see in Babylon people scrutinizing people that want to worship wells. I love wells. Want to save forests. I'm all about stewarding the earth. But it's crazy that you can get excited about anything on the earth and everyone celebrates. But the moment you take a knee for Jesus, the whole world throws stones at you. It is crazy to me that we live in a world that is so, so full of confusion, so, so full of anti-logic, anti-life, that we are living in an environment much like then that we don't know how do I simultaneously love the truth but not be a jerk, but not be so full of love that I have no spine or no backbone. Somehow Daniel and his three amigos found a way for seven decades to influence four kingdoms, four kings, introduced two of the angels, Michael and Gabriel, came from royal families, trained the literature and the language of a foreign Babylonian nation, and yet in a dark pagan society, do not lose the premise of the word of God in their hearts. How do you navigate with wisdom, with courage, with boldness. Are you hearing me today? The Bible says in John chapter 1 that Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. He wasn't just grace and letting people screw up their lives. And he wasn't just truth cutting people's heads off and not helping people lo love on people as they grow. He was grace and truth. Can I get a good amen? And I believe that this is the time, this is the hour of the church that we have to stand up like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and go, God, I'm loving, I love you, but I'm willing to stand. And I would rather offend some people than offend you. Is there anybody that agrees with that today? Frankly, society has lost its way. And the Babylonian spirit, it's a spirit, friends. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against ancient principalities and powers. You read Revelation 17 and 18. It's dealing. God is judging. In the end days, he's judging the Babylonian spirit. He's dealing with it. Isaiah 47 talks about the spirit of Babylon that's greedy, that's selfish, that's self-indulging, that's non-God honoring. What is the fear of the Lord? The beginning of wisdom. What is the disrespect of God? The beginning of foolishness. We live in a world full of foolishness because we have a world void of the fear of the Lord. Still with me? So you see here, this is crazy. These guys are standing and they say, no, we're not going to bow. We're not going to get into this. We're going to stand up. And it's wild that God not only would promote these guys, but he would change the narrative of a nation because of three guys that refused to blend in. It is so, such an irony in our day that everybody wants to make a difference. I want to make a difference, Johnny. Johnny, you want to make a difference? I want to make a difference. Susie, you want to make it? Susie, I want to make it. Everyone wants to make a difference. But everybody wants to be the exact same. Wow. We want to fit in. Yeah. 
I don't want to stand out. I want to fit in. I want to do what they do, talk like they talk, live like they live, party like they party. But we want to make a difference. I was thinking through this, and I just believe the first thing that you notice in the story of of these these four uh, Hebrew boys is they come in, they're taught a three-year training, but the first thing that Babylon will do is they'll try to change your name. Because we know this, that names are affected to natures, which are identities. Number one assault right now. What's going on right now in Babylon? They are trying to affect the identity of our kids. If we can indoctrinate kids while they're little, we can change their names. If we can change their names, we can change their identities. And if their identities are changed, guess what happens? Confusion reigns. What do we know about these name changes? Well, Daniel was a name that meant God is my judge. His new name from Babylon was Belshazzar, which means this, lady protect the king. He was given a girl name. It's amazing that they confused his gender out of the gate. First thing that Babylon has always tried to do is pervert sexuality. Any gift that God gave that was good, the devil tries to pervert. Oh, it's getting quiet up in the Presbyterian church. You can't talk about this in church. We're going to talk about it. We talk about it all the time, especially when the Holy Spirit shows up. They try to change names, change natures, confuse genders. They try to, they try to get people upside down and right side up. To Hannah, his name meant Yahweh is gracious. They named his name, his new name was Shadrach. I am fearful of God. You know why so many people don't go to church? Because Babylon says you need to be scared of God. God doesn't accept people that look like you look, talk like you talk, live like you live. You need to be fearful of God. I want you to know that there is nowhere in the pages of Scripture that sinners were scared of Jesus. Broken people were drawn to Jesus. It is Babylon that tries to make you scared of God. Change his name, change his nature. To Michelle, they gave him the name, uh, Michelle, his, his, his Jewish name was, who is what God is? This, this name of worship. Meshach means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. I have no self-worth. What is the number one, 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 number one of weapons of, of Babylon? Depression. Why are more people killing themselves than ever in history? It's not a starvation issue at this point. What it is, is an issue of being despised, contemptible, and humiliated. They have changed our name, changed our nature, and therefore confused our identities. Azariah means Yahweh is my helper. Abednego means servant of Nebo, which is, I guess, the nephew of Debo. There was more people laugh last service than this service. Wasn't always a Christian. Well, keep going. I was thinking about this, that you have, you have this environment that's compromising. You have Babylon that reaffirms this dark belief system. They said to test us. These, these guys were tested so many different times. And, and basically, you create this environment that you're going to either have to conform to culture or you're going to have to change it. And I believe right now in America, we either are going to conform to this godless culture or we're going to help be a part of changing it. The truth is, though, that we don't change things without God's truth and without God's love. I've learned this, that zero truth people are morally bankrupt and become like the broken world. So many people go, Mark, well, I don't want to offend my friends that are in different lifestyles. I don't want to offend my friends that don't believe what I believe and live how I live. Listen to me. We can speak the truth in. Let me ask you a question. If you don't believe that God can change things, heal things, fix things, are you really loving someone? 
My kids just love to play in the street. They love it. It's their favorite. I don't want to stop their fun. I don't want to be a mean parent. Listen to me. You would never tolerate such logic. But when it comes to darkness, flooding the younger generation, confusing a younger generation, why would you tolerate, say, you stay in this lane, eventually you're probably going to overdose. Eventually you're probably going to be suicidal, depressed, broken, and you're going to have more baggage than an airport. We got to find, come on, hear me today. We got to be honest enough to say, look, there is a right, there is a wrong. There's no way to know that for sure. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Isn't that statement absolute? That's so funny to me. No, you can't know for sure anything. You just said that for sure you can't know anything. How do you know that? I don't know. Then we have other, we have Christians, well-meaning believers that go, no, God can't really change things. You are what you are. You're born what you're born with. The deck of cards you came into the world with is the deck that you die with. You're not doing any favors either. Because you have these pastors that are telling people that God doesn't speak anymore. God doesn't heal anymore. God doesn't deliver anymore. The irony of these pastors that say God no longer speaks are the ones that, that get on the same platforms and say, I'm here in ministry today because God called me. Who were you listening to when God called you? If God no longer speaks. I'm telling you today that there is a God that can create a new heart in you. Change the way you think. I am living proof that how you are born is not how you have to die. Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about here today? I was born an alcoholic. You don't have to die that way. I was born a liar. You don't have to die that way. I was born perverted. So was I. I'm not dying that way. And I, not, I might not have homosexual proclivities, but I had heterosexual perversion I was born into. But here's the same message that we preach to all Christians. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. Are you hearing me today? Sin is sin. Are you hearing me today? I'm getting quiet up in here. Can't talk like this, preacher. People might get offended. I would rather offend you here on earth and you not be surprised when you wake up on the streets of gold. How many people are going to get to heaven and realize, man, there was way more on earth for me than anyone ever told me about? I'm telling you, if you're prone to steal, God can deliver you from that. I'm telling you, you're addicted to cocaine today. God can deliver you from that. Your mind is broken. Your heart is broken. Your sexual orientation is confused. God gives us new names. I wish someone would praise him today. If he's ever given you a new name, a new nature, you ain't Simon, you're Peter. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. God gives new names. God gives new natures. Come and see. Come and see. Grab a seat. Come and see. We find ourselves so in Babylon being scared to say such things. You'll get canceled, preacher. I would rather get canceled for telling the truth than be endorsed and sponsored for speaking lies. We live in a day and age that the people don't know what to do. Am I going to be full of truth and no grace, or am I going to be full of grace and no truth? We have many people that in the grace movement, grace went so wild in the church that we neglected all truth. This woke ideology came in, just said, man, we started just kind of pushing down what God said, going, oh, God changed his mind on that. God no longer believes this. Everything's okay. Everything, look, you come to Jesus as you are, and you stay as you are. Wow. 
hear me very clearly, this powerful phrase, we all come as we are. But none of us that walk with him stay as we are. We are following him to emulate him. As he is, so are we. In where? In the, in the world. As he is, so we are in this world. You know what you're supposed to be in this world? As he is. Jesus suppressed? No. Then I'm not going after it. Jesus suicidal? No, he's not suicidal. I'm not going after it. Jesus a pervert? No, he's not a pervert. I'm not going after it. If he's not ordering it, it's not on my menu. Are you hearing me? Well, that's scary, preacher, because some people don't talk like that anymore. I just want you to know, man, that God hasn't changed. He is full of grace, full of compassion, but no, make no mistake about it. He will change you from the inside out. Religion tries to get you to behave, to belong. Jesus makes you believe, and then you change the way you behave. When God's, there's things that start changing in your heart. Bible says not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. Church shouldn't be just as broken as the world. But when people preach dead messages about dead, dead things in the Bible, that things got, can't change and it'll always be the same, and it is what it is. We die in the state that we were born. And I want you to know that God is looking for people that are willing to stand. I'm sorry, you got me fired up today. I don't know. Maybe I'm not reading the Bible right, but I thought it says to be salt. I thought it said to be light. I thought God wants us to be better and brighter. Thermostats, not just thermometers. I'm telling you that we live in Babylon. It's a mentality. And it's not just a, it's, it, it's not just a locality. It's a mentality. And if God's going to change Babylon, he needs some Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednegoes. How do you do this? Well, you got to be willing to stand. I have found that those that begin to stand inspire others to stand. Seems like God is kind of bringing a collective of people from all over the world. Brought the Schneiders here from Michigan. Brought the Francis here from Boise. Brought my friends. I mean, I have friends all over this, this room here. Idaho, Texas, all over, the, all over the country. God is bringing a company together that are going to begin to stand. How do you stand out like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We only stand if we value what God wrote. How do you stand? We will never stand if we don't get this out of the gate right away. We believe in the Bible. It's hate speech. Will, throw me in jail. Because it survived way more crazy dictators. It survived way more the Nero's of the world. It's been tried to be banned. It's tried to be burned. It's trying to be dismantled. And nowhere in the history of the earth, the more they persecuted God's word, the more the church would go underground with signs and wonders coming to the surface. No one has ever been able to extinguish the living, breathing, speaking words of God. The problem is, it's like God gave you a billion-dollar will that you've never been willing to read. How many rich people are in North America that have no idea what was left to them on the cross because they don't know what God's will is? I want you to know, this is a living will. This is a testament. This is God's, this is God's book. It's an autobiography. It's, it's, it tells us what belongs to us because Jesus went to the cross. And the truth is many people are building their lives on the sand because we have these little one-liner memes that we post on social media from Buddha and Muhammad and Joseph Smith. And we have all these people that we just put Jesus in the same category as everybody else. He's just kind of a good teacher with long flowy hair that lived in a van down by the river. He is more than just some good moral teacher. 
well, I believe that Jesus was a good prophet. Here's the problem. Jesus never claimed that. Jesus, listen, for every one of the things, the coexist sticker on the back of your Subaru, I get it. Listen, listen, we can't coexist. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus never said, I am one of the many deities. He said audacious things like, I am the way to the Father. No one comes to God except through me. He's not a coexister. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Are you hearing me today? He said crazy things like, yeah, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. He said, unless you believe in me, unless you confess me before men. He said, he said wild things like, I came from the Father. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, you're talking crazy. You're talking, this is not good church growth models. You can't, the crowd's going to leave Jesus. You keep talking crazy like this. But Jesus didn't seem to be interested in the size of the crowd. He seemed to be obsessed with telling people the truth. You still with me today? What do we know is we got to stand on the word. I believe that there's an attack right now on the Bible. Many people are saying, let's not really look. We can just cut and paste what we like. Listen to me. When you read something in the Bible and you don't understand it, the Bible is not the problem your understanding is. When you read something in the Bible that disagrees with your worldview, if you're a real Christian, we don't cut and paste the Bible to adapt to your worldview. We ask the Holy Spirit to cut and paste what's wrong with us to line up with Scripture. You and I are temporary. This thing, it says the grass withers, the flower fades, but God's word endures. It's forever. It's getting quiet up in the Presbyterian church. We stand on the word. We stand on prayer. Ephesians 6. It says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Having done all to what? Where are the people that are standing? They're the people that are willing to pray. I, I kid you not, the power of this church is not in what we do on Sundays. It is the prayer that we put in during the week. We got 300 people on Tuesdays and on Thursdays at 10 o'clock in the morning crying out to God for an hour and a half every week. That is the engine room to what we feel on Sundays. Where there is a praying people, there is a powerful moving God. We're a church that stands in prayer. Can I get an amen? Yeah. We stand in faith. Do we, do, who believes that? Yeah. I love the fact that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, go, they go, um, our God can, our God will. He is able. Yeah. He's able. I wonder how many people today, they don't pray like that. Wow. They're like, hey, God, if you want to heal somebody, if you think you can, like maybe it's, if it's your will, if it's your will to do something great, yeah. if it's your will to save California, if it's your will. The Bible says that we pray according to his will. Some stuff we know what God wants. We know what God wants based upon what Jesus did while he was on the earth. So if Jesus did it, we should do it. Pretty simple. So we got to stand in faith. Many people aren't believing for anything. Where are the people that believe God? Do we have the verses, guys, up on the screen? For faith, I believe this is so important, is uh, 1, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch. That's what he put, Paul says. Watch, Corinthians church. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Watch. Stand fast in the what? In the, in the what? In the Not in the doubt. Not in the criticism. I don't like that church. I don't like those Christians. I don't like those people. I don't like that ministry. It says to stand not in the critics. It says to stand in the what? In the faith. In the faith. Not only are we going to stand in the faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to stand, number four, in the freedom. 
I believe if you stick around in this church for any duration of time, we do a series at least once a year, and we're actually incorporating some sozo stuff in the future here as well, that we believe that Jesus didn't just die to get you to heaven. He died to get some of that heaven into you. Many people are going to heaven but living like hell because they've never gotten free. Jesus liberates us from the snares of the fowler. But the truth is, put that verse up for me, guys, that when it pertains to freedom, that we choose if we get re-entangled with the yoke of bondage, Galatians 5 says. So it says to stand fast, therefore, by the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What does that mean? There is moments, you can feel his presence, that God will set you free. And you and I have the choice to willfully re-tangle ourselves. I'm not talking about having a low moment. I'm talking about being bored and willfully going back to your sins. Not many, not many pastors talk about this today. But I do believe that when we, we go back to sins willfully, Hebrews talks about It's pretty wild what Hebrews says. It says that you kind of make the sacrifice of Jesus of no effect. It's wild. I don't want to go into willful disobedience. Can I get an amen? Who wants to stand in the freedom? How many would say this? Jesus, if you'll set me free... I'll make it my aim to try to live free the rest of my life. You set me free from that alcohol addiction, I won't hang out at the bar door every night just trying to get a smell of the alcohol. Are you hearing me today? That's what many Christians do. They're like, set me free, but I want to stay close to where I was. It's dangerous. Freedom we stand. How about this? Unity. I love this verse. Put it up on screen for me, guys. I love it. This verse on unity, it's in uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe, or Philippians, Philippians 1, 7, 127. It says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So Paul says, so whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of what? Of your affairs that you stand fast. How many spirit? One spirit. With how many minds? One of my, one of my mentors said, any, anything that has more than one mind or one vision is a, is a two-headed monster. You got to kill monsters. One mind, one spirit, one faith for the gospel of all. I want to get into this today. Because we somehow live in a world that loves criticism. We've gone crazy with Yelp. We've gone crazy with our, our, our criticism of restaurants, of schools. We rate everything. We rate mattresses. We rate DoorDash. We rate Amazon deliveries. We rate everything and anything. We are the judge of everything in the world. And I want to just tell you something really, 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 I, I felt burdened this week on this. That we cannot let the spirit of criticism to the bride of Jesus that is hovering in Babylon get into the church. What do you mean, preacher? I mean, the Bible says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands. Stands in what? Play, see the discover, or, or sits uh, with the scornful. Don't stand with them, don't sit with them, don't walk with them. And what's happening right now, you have some of these Christians that are making documentaries about churches that have fallen on podcast, and they're doing documentaries on churches that have gone through low moments. Listen to me. Jesus called the devil the accuser of the brethren's the church. If you want to align yourself with hell, talk bad about God's bride. Well, they made, made, bad, made bad choices. So have you. You think that what they fell in, you couldn't fall in? 
some of you if you if you touched a tenth of what some of these ministries touched you'd be way worse off than they were and that's the saddest thing to me about the church is these guys serve faithfully for 50 years 60 years and they have two minutes of, two minutes of stupidity and the world throws out 50 years of faithfulness and they stamp them as a fallen soldier that's worthy to be left for dead our marines don't do that but for some reason the american church does and i hear the voice of the lord saying keep my wife's name out of your mouth i hear him saying it keep my bride's name out of your mouth you're a christian don't criticize other churches don't throw rocks at people that are trying to build the kingdom of god stop biting people that are trying to build god's fires there is way too much friendly fire in the body of christ why are you throwing rocks at their ministry i don't like the way they're doing it. at least they're doing something what are you doing who have you led to the lord what are you standing for sitting on your lazy boy eating funyuns throwing rocks at people trying to make a difference in the world keep my are you hearing me today felt the spirit of god we got to fight for the unity are you hearing me we love our baptist brothers presbyterian brothers we love the method are you hearing me today we love our vineyard brothers we love the calvary chapelist we are one bride we love our flavor of church but we're not going to throw rocks at people that don't love the same jesus we love I just like to rate everything though. I gotta keep it real. No, you like to keep it gossipy. God doesn't bless gossip. Well, I have an opinion. Well, everybody has an opinion. They're like armpits. Everybody has a couple and they usually stink. Okay? Similar. We stand sixthly. I'm almost done. You still with me today? If we're gonna be like these guys and change a nation and turn Babylon, we have to be willing to stand out with God and for God. Here's what I believe. God stands when we stand. Prove it to you. You write this in your notes. Acts chapter 7. I love this story. It's about a guy named Stephen who incidentally becomes the first martyr. He is the first person to stand up and basically tell the religious community, hey guys, we got this wrong. The Jesus bus came, you guys missed it. You need to turn. You need to turn to God. You need to put your faith in Him. You guys need to apologize for putting Jesus on the cross. And he stands up against the religious community. They get so mad, they pick up rocks, because that's what the religious always do. They throw rocks at whoever's speaking the loudest for God. And when they get rocks in their hands, Stephen says something so profound. Because notice this, before I say it, everywhere in the New Testament we read, Jesus is sitting at the right hand. He's sitting and praying for us at the right hand. Roman talks about it. Mark 16 talks about it. It's always sitting at the right hand, sitting at the right hand, sitting at the right hand. There's only one time in the New Testament that we see Jesus standing. Acts 7, verse 56. Stephen said, when they had rocks in their hands getting ready to kill him, he said, look, I see the heavens open, and I see the Son of Man standing. I see him standing at the right hand of God. The only person Jesus stood for was the man that was willing to stand for him and put his life on the line. I know we live in 2022, 
but I am of the persuasion that if we are willing to stand for God as CEOs, as executives, as business owners, as politicians, are you hearing me today? As educators, as filmmakers, and not get sucked into the weeds and the swamps of Babylon and say, God, I will stand for you. I don't care if I lose some money, lose some deals. I don't care. I want to, I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be kind, but make no mistake about it. I will stand for your truth. Babylon shifts when the church stands. And I think the reason why Babylon's just going crazier and crazier is because at times the church is scared. Can we really stand? What if people leave? Well, leave. They left Jesus. Why well, left? Because I didn't have a good pastor. No, no. Jesus was the perfect pastor and he still lost one. I believe you choose how much you get out of a church, how engaged you are. Y'all ready? I'm not saying there's not church hurts and bad things that have happened. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying our decision is, God, I'm with you. I'm for you. I want to stand. I don't know. I felt, I felt led to say this too. Some of you might not go to this church. But let me just say something I felt the Lord put in my heart. Is the church is the only place that sometimes people, they don't agree biblically. They're very critical. They're sharp. But for some reason, they'll stick around and they'll try to change the menu of the church from the back row. Let me ask you to do something for me. If you don't believe in the church you're going to with what they believe, don't stick around trying to create this revolt against what God is doing in the church. Just find a restaurant that's serving the menu that you like. Is that all right? Because I, I don't get it with churches. They'll leave bitter and offended. Or they'll stay bitter and offended and try to cause divisions and all this stuff because they don't like something. And it's like, well, then find a church that you can line up with. That's fine. There's, there's menus for everybody. You don't want to see miracles? You might not like our church. You don't like funny, good-looking preachers? You're not going to like it here. That makes sense? It's joking. Seriously, though. Stand to your feet with me. Someone say, stand out. Is there anybody that just says, you know, I know it's going to be a little difficult at times. I know I might get some, 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 some headwinds. I know that sometimes the first one that stands out is the first one that gets called out, embarrassed, gets criticized. But God, I just want you to know today that I'm willing to stand out. How many say, Mark, I want to stand out a little bit more? If you're watching online, I'd say about half a tent. Who's, who wants to stand out? Anybody want to stand out? All right, here's what we're going to do. How do we do this? You'll never know how to stand out if you don't know what's written. I'll talk about this in the future, but John chapter 8, a woman is caught in the act of adultery. What happens? It's crazy. Jesus only writes one message in the Bible. Only one. one. John chapter 8, he stoops down and writes in the ground. They said, the law says to stone her, what do you say? The, the law says to kill her. She was caught in the act of adultery. The guy somehow got away, but she was there. What do you say? And Jesus stoops down and writes a message. We don't know if he writes how much he loves the lady. We don't know if he writes the sins of the people with rocks in their hands. But we do know that he says, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And we know that from the oldest to the youngest, the room vacates. And there, and behold, lies Jesus and the woman caught. And Jesus stands up after he wrote in the ground. And he says this, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And in verse 11, Jesus says something so profound. He says, neither do I condemn you. Say with me, grace. Neither do I condemn you. Say it again, grace watch what he says then he goes go and sin no more 
that's truth. We have churches that embrace broken people, but we don't tell them to go and sin no more. Or we say, go and sin no more, but we don't say, we don't condemn you. We got to be like Jesus, full of grace, full of truth. I feel something here today. God told me there were some people here that this was a day, miraculously, that you get set free from your drugs. I, I felt so strong. I felt so burdened. We're going to bring trash cans right now. We're going to grab some trash cans. Sorry, security team, that was a cue for uh, grab some trash cans. Where are you going for? Someone's grabbing them, I guess. No, yeah, grab, grab them over fast. And we're just going to put them up all over the place. I want to do this. A couple things we're going to give up today. We're going to stand. We're going to stand on God's word, and we're going to give up some grudges. Some of you are so angry at someone that might not even be alive. And I saw the Lord saying, if you'll give them to me, I'll take care of that pain. I saw a crack pipe. I saw needles. I saw pain pills. I saw Xanax. I saw even joints. Some of you might have like a flask. I don't know what it is, where it is. It might be in your car. But I felt the spirit of the living God saying, if you'll give it to me today, I'll break the chain and the grip that it's had on your life. Who believes that God still does stuff like this? So we're gonna bring trash cans. If you have a name of someone that need to, you need to forgive, it could be your ex-husband, your ex-wife, it could be men, it could be God. You, you could be mad at God because of a baby that died, maybe, maybe a tragedy that you went through. I want you to write down who you feel like God's asking you to forgive. And I want you right now, as we're getting ready to close, if there is substance in your car now or later, I just believe if you'll be brave enough and bold enough to stand up and say, God, I give it to you. You watch how God does his part. God gets serious with those that get serious. He works with those that work with him. So right now we're gonna sing this song one time and I want you to come on today. If it's a sickness in your body, I want you to come prophetically and I want you just by faith to go, God, I'm giving you this Lyme disease. I'm giving you, Lord, this autoimmune condition. God, I'm standing up. I'm standing on your word. I'm praying. Having done all, I'm going to stand. So go ahead right now. We're going to sing this. Just come out of your seats. Begin to drop stuff. There's trash cans all over. Come on. You're here today. Come on. Healing, forgiveness. Let it flow. Addictions being broken today. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.
song because someone's trying to leave right now. But listen, don't leave yet. There's someone in here that you've been thinking about suicide. You've even drafted some or all of your note. And I heard, I heard the Lord say, if you'll give me the note, give me the note, and then tell one of your friends, you give them the weapon that you were, you were thinking about using. And if you'll do it today, God will write you a new story that you won't die, but you would live to declare the goodness and the awesomeness of our God in the land of the living. I don't know if your note is on your person or if it's in your car, but I want to challenge you even right now in this service to get someone and say, would you go with me to my car and get that note and throw it in the trash and get one of your friends and give them that weapon that you've had. I believe that God will liberate those that thought they were going to die. I don't know why I felt it strong today. Might even be someone watching online, but they used to be thinking about this. And I thought the Lord said, spiritually, we give them the note that breaks that oath. But naturally, we give up the weapon so we don't have any temptation around us. I feel that so strong. There was a guy I met with just recently, and he said, Mark, I've been free from pornography since November of this, this last year. It's the longest I think he's been, he said. And, and I just believe if you'll write down the sin that you're struggling with, I dare you right now to get serious. We're almost done, I promise. But if it's a sickness in your body or a sin, an addiction, I want you to write it. If you don't physically have maybe the, the pipe or the needle on you, I want you to write it down on a piece of paper. And I want you just in a few minutes, borrow a pen from somebody if you need it. Everybody, come on, just take a second. Don't act all self-righteous like you've never struggled with something before. I want you to do it. This is, come on, we wanna, I love this song, Make Me Holy. I want to be holy. We re-surrender today. I want to sing this re-surrender part one time, this holy part one time. I just want you to write down whatever it is, physical, spiritual, if it's an addiction, a bondage, or something physically you're believing God to heal you of. I need you to write it down, and I need you to say, God, I'm giving this to you today. And I want you to put it in a trash can. And I would love it if 99% of this tent would get out of their seats and come on, throw something in the trash today. Let's fill these trash cans with old lives old habits and let these be testimonies of the goodness of God that we will not be what we once were we surrender
powerful way. I don't know why, I just believe that some of you will tell your kids or grandkids 10, 20 years from now that it was a kind of an overcast day in a cloud, in a, in, a, in, a, in a church in tents, that I gave up that addiction to pornography, that I surrendered that heroin addiction to God, that I gave him that unforgiveness towards my father or my grandfather, my mother. This is the day of freedom. Today is the day of salvation. You're here, we're done. I'm, I promise we're about finished right now, but if you're here, I want to do this to close. We always do this. You might have already threw it in the, in the trash, but today you're saying, Mark, today I want, to, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I'm not living for God. I've given God 50%. I've given Him even 80 or 90%, but I've never fully surrendered. You're ready to give God everything and anything that He wants. You want to put God in the driver's seat of your life? Maybe you're an atheist today. You've never believed that you want to invite, invite Him in, have a relationship with God, or you want to re-surrender or fully surrender time to stand out church eyes closed for a minute I'm not gonna embarrass you but I would like to pray a prayer before we close today you say mark I want to rededicate I want to fully surrender my life or for the first time I want to start a relationship with Jesus I want to be filled with his spirit and I want to live for his agenda the rest of my days eyes closed heads bowed I'm not gonna embarrass I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand real high though I won't have you come forward today but I will have you raise your hand real high and I'm gonna count every hand because every hand has a name Every name has a story, and every story matters to God. So hands up all over. I'll give you three seconds to, to raise your hands, but eyes closed. I know that I want to re-surrender. I want to fully surrender. Or today, I want to put my faith in God for the first time. You put your hands up. I see hands going up already. This is my day. This is my day. I'll give you three seconds. One, come on, right now. Two, if you're going to raise your hand, Lord, give them the courage to raise their hand right now. Three, that's me. That's me. Real high, real high, real high. I see three hands, four hands, real high, five hands in the back, real high, six, seven, anybody else, eight, I see eight hands, eight, anybody else, awesome, 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 I know, we're, I know we're over on time, nine hands, anybody else, so good, so nine, hey Oceans, let's pray this prayer, say Jesus, I invite you, heal me, fill me, and would you please today, forgive me and wash me, of my old life I turn to you I give my eyes my heart and my soul to you today would you fill me with your spirit and would you lead me from this day forward Jesus Christ be my Lord in your name I pray someone that's excited to get people right with God said amen give me a hand clap today thanks for listening to our podcast have a great week